beautiful morning. You may be seated. I'm so, I love this church. I just love it. I love being here. I love you people. I love coming to church. You know, a lot, a lot of pastors will tell you that you know you're doing good if you weren't the pastor of your church, that you would still go there. So if I wasn't the pastor of this church, I would still come here. As long as these guys did it the way we do it. You know what I'm saying? And I know they would because they've got our love. Well, our love, Daniel. They've got our DNA. They've got our love. And it's just awesome. I just love it. Just turn with me in your Bibles to 3 John 2.3. And I just want to take through this morning a little bit of a teaching. I'll preach, but I want to teach this morning. Is that okay? Because I just really feel like we need to get some things in the spirit, what God is saying to us at this time. And I really do believe that God is bringing his church into maturity. There's a lot of people in our church that have been recently saved. Two girls saved last night. But God needs us, the body of Christ, to come to maturity so that we are an example to those that are being saved. That we are like the adults in the family and as the children come in, the children can observe the way that we live and copy the way that we live and so they start to live the way that we live and they are successful and prosperous in their lives because they've got good examples. Is that good? I mean, I was just so blessed by what Joel and Michelle said. You know, like, you know, virtually, I mean, I know Michelle was a recommitment to God, but Joel's basically a new Christian and, you know, they've got engaged, they've gone overseas. They could have just like, okay, we're out of church, we're just going to live it up, we're just going to party. When we get back to church, no one will know. But they've just got this thing going on with God now where they just say, no, I want to live this stuff. I want to actually live it. And when I saw the face of Jesus, which is actually, I was working it out yesterday, this October, 30 years ago. <laughs> That's freaky. Anyway, but I still see his face right now, as if 30 years ago was a minute ago. And when I saw him and he said to me, follow me, follow me with all that you have, I knew then that it wasn't just a matter of giving him a piece of me, but that every part of me, every fibre of my being would worship him and follow him for all the days of my life until I go and be with him and stand before him and see him face to face and know that, Lord, I've done my best. Amen? And it says here in 3 John 2, 3, I was reading this scripture, it really stuck out to me. Beloved, I pray, this is you, beloved, you know, this is, this is written to the church, beloved. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, if we were to unlock that and look at it properly, what Paul is actually saying here is this. If your soul, what John is saying, if your soul prospers, if you can get your soul prospering, then it means that everything else is going to prosper in your life. That means even if you have to face things in your life, even if there are things, financial crises or sicknesses or things that you have to deal with or tragedies or whatever goes on in your life, if you can get your soul prospering, you're going to be able to handle anything that comes your way and you will live with a prosperous mindset and with beauty and peace and love and joy and all these things around you, and things will go well for you 
in the midst of all these things because you got your soul going good because my soul is prospering, amen? And when I saw the face of Jesus and I said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, I didn't realize then that that would be a challenge, that would be a journey because I realized there was parts of me inside here that didn't want to follow Jesus, that wanted to do their own thing, that wanted to, you know, that there, was, there, there was a war inside of me that began between this new bit of me and this old bit of me that wanted, this part wanted to rule and this part wanted to rule and I had to make a choice that I was going to learn to deal with this war inside of me and that I would make decisions and choices to make this war always win for the glory of God. Amen? In the secret places of my life and in the public places of my life. Amen. So... I thought about this. I thought about your soul prospering. And, and I mean, I was just thinking, how often do you come a, across people who are probably outwardly looking like they're prospering? Like they might have the money going on. They might have the looks going on and all that sort of stuff. They might have the speech. They might have the career. They might, you know, have the confidence. But you look at them and you know they're not prospering, that their soul is not prospering. You look at them and they, 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 they appear to be beautiful, but they're quite ugly. Because in here, there's something not happening. That's, it's not right. Even some Christians that I meet are quite ugly. Yeah, because they haven't dealt with this soul going on inside of them, this inner man, this war inside. They haven't fought the fight and won. You know what I mean? And so I was thinking about that and... I was thinking about comparisons. I mean, I was just looking at Joan this morning. Come here, Joan. This is Joan, and she is brand new to our church. She is 91 years old. And to me, look at this face, and could you tell me if this soul is prospering? Still driving, and you just talk to her, and you never want to leave her. Like she smiles at you, and you feel like, like you're alive. Like, like... I think it's like, you know, when you get to be with Jesus and you get to see the apostles that have gone before us and stuff, it's going to be like meeting Joan. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that wisdom, that grace, that just Jesus permeates every part of her being. And you know what I mean? And so she's prospering in every area of her life at 91 because her soul prospers. Because she's, she's fortified inside in one. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Amen. You're beautiful. You really are. And I was thinking about, like, I, I, don't, I don't mean to criticize or anything because I love all people, you know, and all that. But I was thinking of Lindsay Lohan, like, poor little possum, you know. And, well, she is a poor little possum. I want to go there. I want to wrap her in my arms and I want to be a mother to her. And I want to say to her, somebody loves you, Lindsay. You've got something to live for. But I'm thinking of looking at her and like, that's a very good looking girl. Well, she was. But what happens when the soul doesn't prosper? It gets on the outside. You know, sin is ugly. Sin stinks. It's, it, ha- it has an odour. It has a look. And it, 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 it looks like death. It looks like someone is slowly being eating, eaten away by something from the inside out. But Christians look like they're slowly coming alive from the inside out. Because the scriptures say that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives and dwells in us. Therefore, we should be slowly being raised up 
as the world is dying, we are coming to life. Amen. As we deal with these things. Amen. I was thinking about Mother Teresa. She's probably one of the ugliest women you've ever seen or was. No, if you look at her, she's got the big hook nose going on and I mean the bushy eyebrows and all that going on. I mean, you wouldn't say, look at her and say, there's an attractive woman. But that woman was probably one of the most beautiful women that's ever lived. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it's, it's in here. You can clearly see a prospering soul and you can clearly see a soul that is not prospering. Now, when I say to you soul, you know, they can bring all kinds of stuff up. When I say soul to someone, they probably think that's my spirit. And, you know, what is the soul? What is this one? The scriptures talk about the soul. What is the soul? I want to I bring that to you right now. We're, we are three parts. We're made out of three parts. All right? We're made up of a body. Everybody got a body tonight? I hope so. No spooks in the room? Right. You all got bodies, all right? Is that right? And we all have a spirit and we all have a soul. So we're three-part beings. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, and you can see it in the scriptures. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. What does sanctify mean? Like change you, cleanse you, renew you, restore you, redeem you. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through, and may your whole, look at this, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, our spirit is the part of us that belongs to God. That's the part of us that will live eternally, forever. Praise God for that. And originally, when man was on the earth, they lived out of their spirit. So Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, communed with God spirit to spirit. You know what I'm saying? Spirit to spirit. But then something happened. Look at this in Genesis 3, 2. It says this, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit, uh, sorry, eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, you must not touch it or what? Or you will die. Now, we all know that when they eat the tree from the garden, they didn't physically die. Is that right? They still had a body. Is that right? Yeah. But one part of their three-part being died, their spirit. That's why they could no longer commune with God. That's why they had to be put outside of the garden of his presence, outside of the prospering garden that he had set up for them. Because the spirit within them had died and the connection to God was severed. And now man was left as a two-part being with a third part of his being dead inside of him. Amen? So most of the world right now outside of Jesus Christ live as two-part beings. They live out of their soul and they live in a body. But their spirit within them is dead. Okay? It actually says dead there. Dead. Amen. That's why the scriptures say this. This, this is why it's so clear that the scriptures say, you must be born again. You must be born again. When we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, and like those two precious ladies last night, that's why my, I leap inside. I leap inside when people give their heart to Jesus because I know there is a spiritual thing that's going on right there that right back to that garden, 
when the spirit of man died and connection with God was severed. As they say that prayer to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, inside of them they are being born again. Everything is being made new and a new spirit. Their spirit comes alive. It's like a little Bunsen burner that's burning inside of there. And then all of a sudden when they say that prayer, it's like a flame consumes them and they are consumed and their spirit comes alive. And that's why suddenly when you're born again, you can hear God, you can read the scriptures, things make sense. That's why it says that the word of God is foolishness. The things of the spirit is foolishness to them that do not believe. How can they believe it if they're not born again? They can't understand it from their soul. They can't understand it with their body. They can't understand it with their mind. The things of the spirit are spiritually discerned. And so when we're born again, we are spirit beings and our spirit comes alive. And let me say this, there is nothing else you can do to make your spirit any better ever. The minute you are born again, your spirit is brand new and it is perfect before God. You can't try harder to make it better. You can't do anything. It's perfect before God. You are perfectly absolutely saved. Amen? And, no, and nothing can change that except you. The only thing that can change that is if you turn your back and you walk away and you deny him. But as long as you've got your face turned towards him and saying, I'm living for you, even if you're doing a bad job of that, you're still saved. And when, if, when Jesus comes back or you go to meet with him, you will be in heaven with him because that's that's, that's the, the price that he paid for you. He paid the price. You don't have to pay a price. You're saved. Amen? But there's this other bit of us. This other bit, this soul. I pray that your soul prospers. What's our soul? What is it anyway, this other part of us that wars with my spirit? Amen? This other part of us, the soul, is actually our mind, our emotions, and our will. So these are the things that we've learned to live on earth with away from our spirit. This is our survival, our mind. We learn to adapt and live in survival mode without the word of God, without the original plan, without the spirit of God. And our will does whatever we want and our emotions are all over the place because there's no control of our emotions without the Spirit of God and without our spirit being alive within us. But when we're born again, the original plan comes back into place where we become three-part beings again, but the spirit needs to rule. So my spirit inside of me needs to be at the top top of the pile. And you think of yourself as three-part beings, boom, 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 and we need to get them like this. My spirit's at the top, my soul's here in the middle, and my body just do what it's told. Amen. Just, amen. And your soul in the middle is there, is your struggle. Right. So the ultimate thing is that we live out of our spirit. We live in our spirit in everyday life. And when we're born again, we're like little children. We're like little Joey this morning wanting to dance but not being able to stand up yet. And doing this and just learning to clap with going that, that. We're like that. When we're first born again, we're so used to living out of our soul 
that to live out of our spirit is a whole new deal. And so we have this wrestle, this struggle going on. But the idea is, the ideal thing is, the scriptures teach us this, that we grow up, that we don't stay as little children on milk, but we grow up and we adjust and make choices according to the word of God and according to my inner conscience inside of me, according to the spirit of God communing with me, according to what is right and wrong now, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, I begin to adjust my inner being. I begin to fight this fight inside of me and then I learn to win in certain areas of my life, get victory and I grow up a little bit. And I'm still growing up, aren't we, Joan? We're still growing up, Joan. You can see this in the scriptures in Romans 7, 14. Have a look at this. We got that? Romans 7, 14, I'll read it to you. And this is Paul speaking. And, you know, who knows, Paul was just, you know, I mean, he, he, was, he was a theologian. He was, he was the best. And he says here that he has the same war as all of us that we have. And he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Um, I do not understand what I do. Anybody ever feel like this? For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And I do what I do not want to do. I agree that the law is good and as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. This is my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. What For what do I... What I do is not the good I want to do, nor the evil I do, not what I want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living me that does it. So I find this law at work. What I want to do, good, evil is right, there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. In my spirit, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Anybody ever feel like that? Golly gosh. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus can rescue us, but who knows that we've got to make choices. And we say this, these three parts of us need to be redeemed, our mind, our emotions, and our will. This is the part of us that needs sanctifying. This is the part of us that needs, you know, catching up. You know, if you were to die right now, your spirit would go to heaven and it's perfect. But there's this inner war inside of us that we've got to wrestle the flesh. The Bible actually says crucify it. That's really strong. Oftentimes I've had to crucify little bits of myself. Anybody else? We just go, I can't stand this anymore. You know, I've like fasted 40 days until that part of me just shuts up and the spirit man inside of me lives. I make choices every day. Even at this stage in my ministry, I make choices every day to live according to the spirit. Do you know how often it would be that I could get offended, that I could get hurt, 
that I could get bitter towards human beings. I mean, in the ministry, you get everything thrown at you. You know what I mean? Just, just human nature in its ugliest can come at you at different times. And, and, and you've got to continuously walk through that, as all of you do, and just keep forgiving, keep choosing to love, keep releasing, and keeping, make, making sure that I am right with God in my being. I, how can I stand up here and preach to you if, I, if I'm holding something inside of my heart that is not acceptable to him? It would be just a crime. It would be fake. Amen. We've got to be real. Amen. So we have this mind, our emotions, and our will. And the scriptures say in Hebrews 4.12, concerning our mind, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Another scripture said, wash your mind, renew your mind with the washing of the word. Renew your mind with the washing of the word. This word will help you divide between your soul and your spirit. And when your soul is yak, 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 and the Spirit of God is calling you this way, and you're like a, two, a double-minded man or a double-minded woman, you don't know which way to go, then you have to get out the map. And you have to open the map. And you have to see what God says. And then this word divides straight down the middle of that soul and spirit, and suddenly you say, yeah, I see that, God. I see, I see what I need to do to make the adjustments. That's your mind. And then your emotions. You know, you cannot live as a Christian and not have your emotions in control. I mean, I said to um, Gail last night, I actually went and had a blood test because at 51 they reckon that you should be starting menopause and I should be starting to be weird and radical and moody and having lots of sweating and yeah, erratic behaviour. And so um, I went and had the blood test and, I came, and they said, you're not even perimenopausal. You, 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 I can still have babies. Woo. Yeah. Anyway, but we're not going there, are we? No. But I told Gail, I said, Gail, guess what? I'm not menopausal. She said, well, you've got no excuse now, have you? <laughs> I have to keep these emotions, you know. Oh, well, I've got PMS still anyway and all that stuff. But anyway... You've got to keep your emotions in control. And, uh, and so we, we choose to love instead of hate. Amen. No matter what. We choose to be happy instead of sad. We choose to be excited instead of depressed. We choose to be hopeful instead of hopeless. We choose to be fulfilled instead of lonely. And when my soul is saying to me, oh, you're so lonely and you're so deprived and people don't... And you should be really depressed today because the sun isn't even out and it's winter still and it's freezing and it's dark and you can't even go outside. Then I choose to say no. And I start to worship God and I get my spirit man on the top and I tell my emotions to be quiet. Amen. Because my emotions are part of my soul that belongs in the middle, not on the top. I'm not controlled by that. I'm controlled by my spirit man. And, of course, the last thing is the will. So our mind, controlled by the word of God, washing of the mind, bringing every thought into captivity, dealing with that stuff. Amen. And then our emotions 
making sure we, you, don't, you don't have the right to lose it. You know, some people think, I just have the right to lose it. I, I'm justified in losing it. And they, you know, and I, I've seen that happen. One girl that I knew, she was driving, yeah, and she's on the worship team at Oxford Falls. And she, and, yeah, and she's driving, right? And she's late for church. And she's trying to pray because Pastor Phil says you've got to pray for an hour before you're on the worship team. She's trying to pray, but she's so late that she's angry. And then this stupid guy overtakes her and cuts in on her. So she revs up, nearly rams him up the backside, loses it, overtakes, does the big to him as she goes past and then realised it was Phil Pringle. (laughs) So she gets to church. She's in the back room before they go out for the worship team. She's sweating. And as, as he comes out and he has to walk through the room where they are to get out to the stage and he doesn't even look at her and she thinks, oh, no. And then Christine looks at her and goes... Like she goes, oh. So she's out on stage. She's trying to worship God. She feels like she's going to throw up. She doesn't know where to look. He's right there in the front row. And then she looks down at him at one moment and he looks at her and he winks like that and he goes. (laughs) Oh, that was very cool. (laughs) That's good. But you just can't lose it. You haven't got a right to lose it. You're a Christian. If you've got one of those stickers on your car, take it off if you're an abusive driver. Amen. (laughs) All you road ragers, stop it. Luke 146 said, and Mary says this. Mary says this. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Mary had got to a place before she was chosen by God that she got her soul in check, amen? And her soul was glorifying the Lord. Her spirit also was glorifying the Lord. She had something good going on and her body just fell into line. Jude one twenty six says, But you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, we attune ourselves in our inner man, in our spirit being, we bring this soul under rulership to our spirit by getting our spirit stronger. You know, you got to, it says, build yourself up. It's like doing weights in the spirit. It's like those energizer batteries. You've got to plug yourself in and you've got to start to, oh, shakarayara. And if you don't pray in the spirit, pray in English till the spirit comes and just begin to, that's what it's for. The spirit, praying in the spirit is to edify you. What's edifying you? It's plugging you in. It's getting you tuned in. It's getting you pumped. It's doing weights in your spirit, man. Pray in the spirit. The Bible says pray in the spirit at all times. But it says here, but beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's given us the keys. We don't have to live like soulish, ugly people. We can actually be beautiful people and we can allow our spirits to be the leaders of our, of our souls. Amen. Um, <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> and then, of course, what happens is our body just comes into alignment. Now, I'm not saying that we're never going to get sick. If we get our soul in order and we get our spirit man ruling, that we're never going to get sick. Because who knows that the body is the last thing that will be redeemed. 
this body still lives in a fallen world, unfortunately. And I know as we live for Christ that he will give us long life and that he will bless us. And in our trials, he'll be with us in our sicknesses. He will heal us and he will restore us. And, but he will also give us the strength to get through it so that he's more interested in your inner man than he is in your body. You know, and when my mom nearly finished, when my mom was, you know, challenged and she was healed the first time of cancer, God healed her, then it came back and now it's come back a third time and she was crying her eyes out to me one day and she said, I promised all these people that I would get healed so that they would know that God is a healer. I said, but mum, is that what God is really trying to do? Is God trying to tell everyone that he's a healer? Or is God trying to tell everyone he's a lover? Because I tell you what, you're telling people that God loves. And that because of her faith and the endurance and because her soul is prospering in the midst of all this treatment and having her eye taken out and having half a skull cut off and, and the deformities and all that going on and this one eye glows with God. I mean, it glows with God. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So that body still comes into submission. Even in sickness, that body is still submitting to her spirit and it's coming into alignment. Amen. And one day we will be, we will, we will die or we will go to be with Jesus if he comes back before we die and we can just step out of this old tent <laughs> and just leave it behind. All its sickness and all its crying and all its emotions and all its junk. And we just step out of it and we just get this whole brand new body. Woohoo! And it won't be 50 anymore, it'll be alive and and it won't never go into menopause and everything. It'll be just and no more crying and there'll be no more sorrow and there'll be no more wrestling with the devil and wrestling with the soul. Woo! We'll be free, amen. We'll be free. <laughs> David says this in Psalms, and and I'm closing on this. This is my favorite scripture, although I can't find where it is. I quote it all the time to God, and if anybody knows what it is, tell me. But it says this, May every fiber, may every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. And I pray that often. You know, no matter what I'm going through, may every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. May you sanctify me through and through, spirit, soul, and body. May I be found blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, touch me and let every fibre of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Lord, we just thank you this morning. Thank you this morning. And this morning, just just as we wait in the presence of God for a minute, why don't you just close your eyes right now and just have a little chat to him. You know, maybe you've been living out of your soul and, and you need to say, God, you know, gee, my soul is really ugly and I don't want to live. And like Paul, you know, I've been doing the things I don't want to do and the things I do want to do, I don't do. But I just need to make some discipline, some choices. I need to activate my will. Amen. I didn't say that, did I? Mind, 
emotions and will. We need to activate our will in our, in our soul realm and make right choices for God. Amen. Not my will, but your will be done, Jesus said. Not my will. Not what's good for me, not what's right for me, what is right for you, God. Not what is comfortable for me. Amen. But usually when you're activating your will, it's a choice that you make and there's some challenges and there's some things that you have to put in place, but it is so worth it. Because when you do get the victory, I mean, you might have, you might have not been praying for a while and you've, God's a little distant and you've just been, you know, vegging out a bit in your soul and not really giving God much time. And then God seems to be more and more distant, although God hasn't moved, it's you that's moved. And you know what? It doesn't, you know, you might pray once and you don't feel anything, but you've got to work at that. You've got to keep praying, even if you don't feel anything. Even if you're not hearing, you keep praying. You keep praying until that soul is still, until it's quiet, until your spirit man starts to come alive again, and then the connection happens. Amen? God can't connect with your soul. Jesus can. He died for it. The Holy Spirit can. He helps us, you know, get, get convicted. The Holy Spirit can help us, but God has to connect with your spirit, spirit to spirit. Amen. And so when we're, when we're walking in our soul realm, it's almost like we can't see God because there's this barrier, again, like when men fell between God and us. When we choose to walk in the Spirit, we make those decisions to walk in the Spirit, then the connection comes between my Spirit and God's Spirit and we get lift off. And sometimes you've got to work that, especially if your soul has been really noisy and really selfish. It's time to be unselfish, time to be quiet, it's time to be still, it's time to find God. So just have a couple of minutes right now and just talk to God, maybe make some choices. I'm going to live out of my spirit, God. I'm choosing to say no to my soul, I'm choosing to tell my body to be quiet. I'm going to live out of my spirit, God. Reconnect us right now, God. Reconnect us in your Holy Spirit right now. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Holy Spirit, come.